0: to say that we are with and praying for those that are impacted, uh, those that have been impacted by the fires, those that are those that are working, um, we're, we're praying for you. And it's just been beautiful in the midst of all of that to see God, step up. I know when the second wave of electrical storms were were supposed to come through and we were in fear of even more lightning and more fires, I know there was many, many people praying not for lightning and thunder, but for rain. And God showed up and brought rain, healing rain. Sure, it wasn't a ton. Sure, it didn't put out all the fires, but, but God showed up in that. And God was good in that. Some of you are just itching to dive in and and itching to help in in numerous ways. Uh, I want to remind you first and foremost uh, that that giving of yourself, that 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 offering, is an act of worship. Is an act to say, God you've given me so much, let me turn around and give to others. And, and I think that's where some of your heart is coming from, and just the desire to help others specifically in this time and around this. Uh, we've done multiple trips in the past where we've jumped in and helped with different fires. Uh, but first and foremost, just a way uh, to be a part of what's going on is nbcsj.org. Uh, and that's not just for jumping in and being a part of fires, but a part of just your worship to say, God, I I trust you. And so I want to give back a part of what you've given me. It's all God's anyways. But in regards specifically to what we're doing around the fire, there's a few different ways that you can be involved. First of all, uh, we're taking some fire relief trips. Uh, We have Four currently scheduled, we might wind up doing more. Uh, There's a warehouse down in Watsonville uh, that is uh, handing out goods uh, to to people that have been displaced, to to people, to evacuees. And uh, so they need help organizing these donations and, and distributing these donations. And uh, so our youth group is actually planning on heading down the next four Tuesdays, and that's what youth group is going to be. We're also having a Zoom uh, youth group for those that aren't able to go, but for those that are, uh, we are headed down uh, to Watsonville four Tuesdays in a row. And and we're inviting the rest of the church. Church, if you'd like to come and be a part of that, uh, come, go ahead and sign up, nbcsj.org slash events. All the details are there. And and we'd love to have you join us for, for one of those. Uh, We're also, each time we're going to go down, we're going to be taking donations. So if you have things you'd like to donate, new, unopened things, you can donate those. Uh, Again, NBCSJ.org slash events, all the info you can find there. If you click into this fire relief thing, it'll talk about uh, what to do with donations as well. And then a third place just to be involved is Slack. Uh, We use Slack as a way to stay connected every day of the week and just talking with each other. And uh, so if you join our Slack community, we're posting regularly about things that are happening, about needs uh, that are popping up, about opportunities. Uh, So hop in there and just be a part of the conversation. But all of this just continues to bring me back to the fact that God knows what he's doing even in talking to uh, the woman that 's that 's running the warehouse down in Watsonville, she started it months ago as 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 something to help uh, people dealing with covid and God put it on her heart to start that and and, and God knew months later that this was going to be used for fire relief she didn 't know that, but God did and then and then, when the fires started raging, Santa Clara County came to her and said could we use your warehouse for this? And she said, yes, of course. Um, And so she's been running it that way. But if we go back even further, when COVID first hit, uh, our our elder team uh, discussed the question, hey, should we take a break from going through the book of Luke? Uh, Because we've been in this series on the book of Luke. Uh, Should we take a break from that? And... uh, And, and pause and just kind of speak to COVID and everything that's happening. And we decided, uh, not to take a break from Luke, but rather to let scripture speak to what was happening. Because scripture always speaks. And time after time, it's been beautiful to see how God has given us the passage that we need in the time that we need it. It's been absolutely amazing. So when the fires hit a few weeks ago, people started talking about the end times. A lot more. Okay, is this it? Yes, we've got the pandemic. Uh, We've got just civil unrest. And now we've got, you know, lightning and thunder from heaven and fires raging. Is this it? Is this the end times? And what was the passage that we had right in front of us? The Olivet Discourse, where Jesus talks about the end times. So amazing to see how God has just prepared that before us. This is our third week of talking about the end times. Two weeks ago, Dave took us just below the surface as we looked at Jesus taking a seemingly mundane comment about the temple and using it to introduce the serious and challenging topic of impending destruction. And then last week, Andres took us through more of the end times discussion and definitively answered the question of are we in the end times with a confident, I don't know. And today, we're going to wrap up our look at this conversation that Jesus had about the end times. Go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 21 as I make a few comments here. First of all, just because we're finishing our look at this passage as a church, it doesn't mean that the conversation is over. Keep talking about this. Keep studying, especially if God has laid this on your heart. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Second, I would encourage you to be open as you listen to others and talk with others. Recognize the difficulty of this subject. Recognize you... Um, Recognize that you may be wrong. There are lots of theories out there right now. There have been lots of theories over the centuries, and not one has turned out to be correct yet. So hold loosely to your thoughts. The best thing that I've learned about eschatology, and eschatology is just the study of end times. The best thing I've learned about it is how you approach the topic. Dave talked about this two weeks ago. Andres talked about it last week. And I'll talk about it this week. Eschatology is all about watching. What you watch, though, is of paramount importance. For that impacts how you approach the subject, how you interpret things, and where your time goes. And that's what we're going to look at today as that is what Jesus brings up in our passage this morning. Now, before we get into it, I just wanted to remind you something Dave brought up a couple weeks ago as he started into this passage. Because there's two end times being talked about in one passage. Uh, End time number one is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which happened back in 70 AD. And then the second end time is Jesus' return. And there's lots of parallels between those two. First of all, the signs are similar uh, between the two. Uh, In fact, the phrase, great distress on the earth is used both in reference to Jerusalem in verse 23 and in reference to Jesus' return in verse 25. Also, the instructions given in regards to how we deal with both of those end times is very similar. Andres last week pointed out different instructions that were given. Don't be led astray. Don't follow them. Don't be afraid. Be a witness. Look up. And you'll see similarities uh, with those instructions that are given and what we're going to talk about today. Now, timing is really interesting as well here uh, because the timing is unclear on both accounts, Luke was most likely written before the destruction of Jerusalem, so before 70 A.D., and so it left people with some vague signs to look out for. Is this what we're looking for? Is this what we're waiting for? I'm not really sure. Is this that sign that we've been waiting? Is the the destruction of Jerusalem coming? I don't know. I bring this up to put us in the skin of the reader's. Because even though this passage today is focused on Jesus' return and not on the destruction of Jerusalem, that, that part has already been discussed. Even though we're looking at Jesus' impending return, uh, understanding where these original readers were coming from really helps us uh, understand how they were looking at it. Because they too, they didn't know when either of these things were going to happen, they didn't know if this destruction of Jerusalem was happening in a year, in five years, in 20 years, in 100 years. They may have been looking for signs as well, trying to decipher clues. Is this it? Is this when it's going to happen? And they, like us, needed to watch the right things. So let's take a look at Jesus' words together in Luke 21. I'd invite you to stand in honor of God's word as we read it. We're going to be in Luke 21, starting in verse 29, and we're going to read through to the end of the chapter. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God We're thankful that we have recorded what you communicated so that God, we could look at what you have to say, not only to the original readers, not only to the people that you were speaking to, but also to us, Lord, because your words never pass away. They are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they applied 2,000 years ago, and they apply today, Lord. And we get to see, and we have seen, how relevant, how necessary, how beautiful your words are. So God, this morning, I pray that we would yet again just be encouraged and be exhorted by your words. But more than anything, Lord, that these words, that your words would draw us closer to you, would help us understand you more, would help us give our lives even more so over to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So first, in this passage, we are to watch for Jesus. As Jesus is wrapping up this discourse, he moves from talking about signs and what is to come to giving some pastoral exhortation. He is the shepherd caring for his flock. He's trying to help them act on all of what's been said up until this point. And he begins by telling a short but straightforward parable. He says, look, trees let you know when spring and summer are, is coming simply by beating trees, by starting to grow leaves again. I asked my kids about this parable, and they totally understood it. This is really simple. We have a tree out in our front yard, and, and every fall, the leaves fall off. And it just makes a big mess, and lots of work, lots of raking. Um, but then every spring we start to see these buds start to come again, and the leaves start to grow, and we know that that means that spring and summer are coming. Now, what's Jesus' point, though? Look at verse 31. It says, So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. So Jesus is telling us to watch these signs. Now, earlier in our series on Luke, we looked at a passage in Luke 11 where Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah. And, and we talked about signs as we were looking at that passage. We talked about how signs inform and how signs direct. And Jesus is saying that these signs that will come will inform people that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus is saying, pay attention, look Look at these signs, and and as you see them, know that the kingdom of God is coming. But you won't see these signs if you're not watching, if you're not watching. Now, there's two extremes that I've seen Christians take in regards to end times. The first extreme is that nothing is a sign no, 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 that's not a sign. No, 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 that's not a sign. Not at all. Uh, they, they don't think about the end times at all. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to get there. I know it's going to happen at some point, but, but, but that's not my focus at all. Uh, the thought process is often, well, we can't know because uh, Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour but the Father alone. So we can't know, so we don't need to pay attention to it at all. And the, this is the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying here. A lot of people try to ignore it because, gosh, I don't know, so I'm not even going to bother paying attention. And Jesus is saying the exact opposite. Hey, pay attention. The other extreme is that everything is a sign. And so their focus is on every little thing happening. Something new happens. They go back to the end times passages and see where it fits in. If it doesn't fit in, they've they got to make it fit. No, 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 this is a sign, and we got to pay attention to it. And, and look, here, here's where we are. Their thought process is, we have to be watching. We always have to be watching. Now, here's the problem with that, is that the focus is on the signs and not on where the signs are pointing. There's a big difference between watching signs and watching for signs. If you're watching signs, you're paying attention to them. You're letting them direct and inform. Just like you're on a road trip and you're driving down and you see a sign that says, In and Out, next exit. And of course, you're like, Man, we got to pull off and stop because In and Out is just fantastic. But watching four signs means that the focus is on the signs alone. That they are an end in themselves. It's like being on that same road trip and looking so hard for all these different in and out signs. Let's count up the number of in and out signs and let's rate which in and out sign was the best one. And you get so focused on the in and out signs that you miss the the whole purpose of the trip in and of itself. You get so distracted and sucked in on the signs themselves. You're watching four signs instead of just watching signs. Now, the right spot for a Christian is somewhere in the middle. Yes, we need to pay attention to the signs, um, but, l- but we don't need to let them, um, what we actually need to let them direct and inform, sorry, instead of letting them consume and distract. Let me say that again. I got tripped up a little bit. We need to pay attention to the signs. By letting them direct and inform, instead of letting them consume and distract. I think this quote from Daryl L. Bach says it well in regards to how the Bible talks about the end times. Take a look at this. It is specific enough, and it's talking about Scripture, it is specific enough to keep us watching, but general enough that we should never succumb to the tendency to predict exactly when Jesus will appear. God wants us to watch diligently, but such a watch does not mean he desires the church to figure out exactly when he will return. So we need to be somewhere in the middle, paying attention, watching, but not letting it consume us. So we need to watch for Jesus. Now with all the signs talk, why didn't we call this section Watch Signs? Well, Jesus tells us how these signs should direct us. Remember, I said that signs direct. So where are these signs directing us to? Look again at verse 31 and then at verse 33. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. See that? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The signs should direct us to the coming of the kingdom of God. The signs should direct us to Jesus' words. These these signs shouldn't be pulling us into theories, puzzles, panic, or fear. But rather, they should be causing us to focus more and more on Jesus. They should be causing us to watch for Jesus. Listen to what else Jesus says in this discussion. If you go back, you can see it. Verses seven and eight say, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, see that you are not led astray. In other words, disciples, focus on me. In verse 13, Jesus says, this will be your opportunity To bear witness. Bear witness of what? Of him and of what he's done. Not of signs and and talking about what what they're teaching us or whatever. Jesus says, when all these signs are taking place, this is your opportunity to bear witness. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later. But then in verse 28, it says, and Andres brought this up last week. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When these signs happen, what are you supposed to be doing? Looking up, looking to Jesus, focused on Jesus, watching for Jesus, Because that's where the signs are pointing. That's where we find peace, hope, and redemption. That's what lasts. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It makes sense to invest in what lasts, in what endures. Many of you know the hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. So yes, watch signs. But watch for what the signs are pointing to. They are pointing to Jesus. Now let me take a moment and just talk about verse 32. Because verse 32 is a little bit of a confusing one and definitely has sparked a lot of debate among people that study eschatology um, that, that, that like to look at these kind of passages. It says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Now, what does this generation mean? Now, let me first point out that it's not the literal generation that Jesus was talking to. Because part of what was all going to take place was Jesus' second coming, his return. And he hasn't returned yet. So that's not what it's talking about. And there's three popular theories uh, regarding this verse. Theory number one is that it refers to the generation that is there when all takes place. And this would give us a message of expediency. In other words, like when the final things happen, it's just going to be around one generation. So so that's saying, man, when things start, they're all going to happen and they're going to happen really, really quick. Now, this passage kind of supports that idea. The word near is used four times. And so there's this expediency that even this passage talks about. But we're also told that the end will not be at once. And so... Maybe that's right, maybe that's not. A second popular theory is that it refers to all believers. Because the word generation in Scripture doesn't always refer to a time period, but sometimes to a people group. So the thought is that this is referring to the generation of believers. This generation of believers will not pass away until all has taken place. In other words, there will be believers right up until the end. And the passage supports this too. Verses 17 to 19 says, You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But there's a third theory as well, and and the idea is that it refers to the wicked. Again, not a time period, but rather a people group. Um, And it's a reference to the evil generation that's brought up in Luke 11. In other words... Uh, this generation, this evil generation will not pass away until all has taken place. In other words, there will be those opposed to the gospel right up until the end, which is also supported in this passage. Man, what do you do with this? Well, check this out. However you interpret it, the passage... Or the the, the action is the same. However you land on like, no, I think this is what he's saying. And and there's still lack of clarity. So I can't wait to get to heaven and ask Luke, hey, Luke, what did you mean when you wrote this down? But however it's correctly interpreted, the action is the same. Is this talking about expediency, that this is all just going to happen really quickly? Well, then you'd better be ready. You'd better be ready because it's all going to happen super fast. Is it talking about enduring, uh, believers enduring till the end? Or is it talking about enduring because this evil generation is going to be persecuting us until the end? Well, you'd better be ready. You'd better be ready to stand up. However you look at it, it points back to Jesus, to being ready, watching for Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus tells them to watch signs that will point to him, to watch for Jesus. But he also tells them to be careful, to watch yourself. Jesus doesn't want his sheep to fall into a trap. So he warns them. He exhorts them not to be weighed down, not to be encumbered. Look at verse 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. This should sound familiar. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us also lay aside every weight. There's that weightiness, that sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So here, we, we get this idea again of not being weighed down by sin. In our passage, Jesus brings up specific sins, specific things to watch out for. The first thing he brings up is dissipation. Dissipation is just basically being completely without moral restraint. Extreme drunkenness and the actions that accompany that state. That's what dissipation is. And then Jesus also brings up drunkenness. But then he also brings up the cares of this life. He doesn't want us to be trapped by these things, for these things to distract us, for these things to disqualify us. And he's very intentional with his list. He's pairing dissipation, which is not a struggle for many believers, with cares of this life, which if you stop and think about it, encompasses a lot and is a struggle for a lot of believers. We get so sucked into, well, you know, our retirement fund and and thinking about the future and and thinking about our neighbors and our house and our cars and stuff like that. and, and, And things that just don't, ultimately don't last and don't matter. We get sucked into those things and those things distract us and pull us away from a focus on Jesus. And, it, and Jesus pairs these two things, one that may not be a struggle, one a drunkenness that may be a struggle for some, and then uh, one, the cares of this life, which is a struggle for a lot of people. He's showing that nobody is above being caught in the trap. Nobody is above being weighed down. Nobody is immune to these things. Think of people in your life that you've seen fall. People that you thought would never give in to that temptation, whatever that temptation was. The stories go on and on. So all of us have to be watching ourselves. We all have to be paying attention. Jesus then reminds us that his return will impact everyone on this earth. Look at verse 35. It says, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth if Jesus is your Lord and Savior this verse should give you an urgency to share who in your life needs Jesus but if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior why not what is keeping you from giving your life over to him from accepting his forgiveness from following him because the day of the Lord is coming. So be ready for it. If you want to know more, if you want to talk about it, if you want to ask questions, use the contact us link below. Um, NBCSJ.org contact us. The day is coming when we will be held accountable for all our deeds. The beauty is that Jesus offers us forgiveness. His death covers us so that when I am held accountable for my deeds, God doesn't see me. Rather, he sees Jesus. So I am seen as clean. That's why how Jesus' blood covers me. I can't stand before the Father on my own. I need the covering and forgiveness of Jesus, which has been offered to me, and I have received it. That forgiveness and covering has been offered to you as well. And if you've never received it, I would encourage you to. Jesus is offering you forgiveness. Accept it. Now look at Jesus' final exhortation to his listeners in verse 36. He says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. He says to stay awake. Stay awake. If you've nodded off, now's the time to wake up. Don't let your guard down. Be vigilant. But the key to this is where this strength comes from. From, Jesus says, praying that you may have strength. The strength doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Let's sit in this for just a minute. Because when Jesus says, watch yourself, he's not asking you to pick up a new burden. He's not telling you to do something more. He's telling you to rely on him. He's telling you to pray, to fall on your face before him. He will give you the strength. He will help you escape these things. He will help you achieve the ultimate goal, which is standing before the son of man. What weight are you carrying? Where are you struggling because you feel like it's on you to be doing better? oh man, I keep blowing it. I keep failing in this sin and I I just, I can't do this. And I just feel so weighed down. (laughs) You're right. You can't do it. So fall on your face before Jesus and just say, Lord, I'm before you. I need your help. I need you to give me the strength to endure. I need you to give me the strength to stand. Stop Trying to do it on your own. You can't. You need to give that over to Jesus. You need to pray for His help. So start each day on your knees before the Savior. He will give you the victory. He will give you the help you need. Remember that vigilance? That staying awake at all times that I mentioned? That means praying. At all times, be vigilant in prayer, knowing that God will give you the strength, the wisdom, and the direction to do the rest. And what's beautiful is at the end of all this, Jesus gives us the ultimate goal. The goal is to stand before the Son of Man, to hear those words, those words that I'm praying that one day I will get to hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words that I long to hear one day. That's the goal. Jesus gives his listeners a goal, something to strive towards, something on which to focus. For when you have a goal you're focused on, nothing can stop you. Nothing can distract you. Be focused on that goal. Be focused on Jesus. Catch that. Watching yourself brings you to Jesus. And so rightly, we end this passage with the exhortation to watch Jesus. To let him be our focus. Look at the last two verses, verses 37 and 38. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. The people are in the right place. They're seeking out the truth. They're making sacrifices, getting up early to come to Jesus. Just like Mary, whom Jesus commended. Remember Mary and Martha, where where Martha uh, was working and and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good portion in Luke 10.42. I began by saying that eschatology is all about watching. And what you watch is of paramount importance. For that impacts how you approach the subject, how you interpret things, and where your time goes. Throughout Jesus' life, people came to him looking for signs. They weren't watching the right things. They were watching for signs rather than watching where the signs pointed them. In Luke 11, the, the passage that I mentioned earlier today, uh, where Jesus is talking about the sign of Jonah, it says, uh, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Jesus is saying, I'm here to be a sign, and you are missing it. Later in Luke, in Luke 16, uh, uh, Jesus tells a story of this rich man uh, that dies and and goes to hell and and asks God to send this guy Lazarus back to his brothers so that that his brothers will see someone rise from the dead and, and, and will turn over. And it says in Luke 16, 31, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets all of Scripture, which has been given as a sign, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. See, the focus was more on this flash sign than on what the sign is pointing to. And then in Luke 19, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, which is a huge sign. However, in Luke 19, 44, Jesus says, You did not know the time of your visitation. So many people saw Jesus enter in and missed what the sign of that was pointing to. In each of these cases, their eyes were fixed on the sign instead of on the Savior. Earlier this morning, we looked at Hebrews 12.1. Look at it again. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now here's how this next verse starts. Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. (laughs) Yes, we're called to run with endurance. Yes, we're called to lay aside every weight. Yes, we're called to lay aside the sin. But how do we do that? Looking to Jesus. It's also translated as fixing our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now in your community group questions, which by the way can also be done on your own or with your family, you'll, you'll get into the rest of this verse, which is absolutely amazing. But right now I wanted to focus on the exhortation that starts the verse. Looking to Jesus. Friends, this is how we interact with the end times. This is what we are called to be doing. Looking to Jesus. If we are in the end times right now, Which again, I agree with Andres, I don't know. But if we are in the end times right now, we need to have our eyes on Jesus. But if we aren't in the end times, we need to have our eyes on Jesus. As I was reading a a commentary earlier this week, um, this quote hit me really hard. And it sounds like a quote that would have been written just a couple of months ago, but it was written in 1996, almost 25 years ago. This might hit some of you hard as well. Take a look at this quote. The church is not called to enforce dominion on those around it. Rather, we as a community... Suffer as Christ did until he returns. To forget we bear a cross and not a sword in this era is to abandon a basic aspect of our calling to proclaim, reflect, and serve Jesus. Now let me read that last sentence again. To forget we bear a cross and not a sword in this era, is to abandon a basic aspect of our calling to proclaim, reflect, and serve Jesus. (laughs) So let me ask you, are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Or are they fixed on signs? Are you picking up a sword and fighting with others and arguing over nope, this is this sign and this is where this goes and this is how this lays out, etc., etc.? Or are you focused on Jesus? Are you proclaiming him? Are you reflecting him? Are you serving him? The disciples bring this topic up yet again after Jesus rises from the dead. Listen to Jesus' response in Acts chapter 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it now, Lord? Is this the time? Here we go! Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed. By his own authority. And then look at what Jesus tells them to do. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem. And in all Judea. And in Samaria. And to the end of the earth. This is what we're supposed to be focused on. This is what all these signs are pointing to. And so as we interact with those signs, as we talk about the end times, let them point people to Jesus. Let us use them to point people to Jesus. We are called to be witnesses, to just say, hey, look, See these signs? Yeah, they're pointing to Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Let me introduce you to Jesus. The focus is Jesus. This is what we're supposed to be focused on. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Let me pray. Jesus, the focus is on you <laughs> it 's on you, God forgive me <sighs> forgive me for the times when I get sucked in um, to just what 's happening right around me, where I get distracted by by things that are um, that are just happening and i and i I spend time trying to line that up and going, okay, where are we at in the end times? Because God, that pulls me away from you. God, forgive me for the times when I just get so focused and sucked into the cares of this life. God, for the times when I don't give your word the preeminence, where I don't give the focus and attention there. God, forgive me for that. My focus needs to be you every minute every hour, every day. You've invited me into a relationship with you. You desire to know me and you offer me the absolute best, which is yourself. So God, how can I not take that and turn around and give it to others to celebrate you before others? God, to just show you off. God, forgive me for the times when I don't, for the times when I'm quiet. And God, make my voice loud so that people will get to know you, so that people will hear about you. Help me to be a witness. Help each and every person listening that knows you, Lord, to be a witness. And for those that don't know you, to consider a relationship with you, to consider giving their life over to you. You're the best. God, we love you. We're thankful for what you've done for us. And we're thankful that you've invited us into a relationship with you. God, help us to be a witness for you. Help us to show you off. In Jesus' name, amen.